That, uh, that one is. And uh, you'll be no surprise, but uh, we drove up um, the gorge uh, in the, uh, the Sharabang, as we called our Peugeot van. Uh, Sharabang is a, is, a, is a French word that's been corrupted into an English word, and it just means a vehicle that carries a lot of people. But uh, Sunday school outings used to go out in Sharabangs. That was where it came from. So as we're going up the gorge, I pointed out to uh, my uh, family, um, so they all stopped looking at their electronic devices for the fraction of a second to the right as we went up Burrington Coombe. And I said, that's the cleft in the rock that Augustus Montague top lady sheltered in to hide from the storm. And friends, here's the thing. The lives that we live are full of ups and downs and storms. We went to Urk in the Netherlands. And if anyone here knows where Urk is, it's a fascinating place. There's a, a, a young man at the front knows where Irk is. You come from Irk, do you? In fact, there's the Irk Appreciation Society meet just here, okay? And the wind was blowing and the sea was rough. And that's what our lives can so often be like. And here's the thing. You might think that people in the world have got it all going so smoothly and so well for them. And you're thinking to yourself um, that... Uh, uh, that, 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 that it's only me that's got all these problems. It's only me that seems to be facing the difficulties that we see in the world around us. But I want you to know that that's not the case. Whilst they might be good at hiding it, the world is a place which is full of fear. It is full of difficulties. And as believers, as Christians, the amazing thing is, is that we have got the answer. We know what is needed to be able to experience peace in our lives. And perhaps you're thinking for a moment, hold on, where's this guy going? Because I certainly don't experience peace in my life. What's the opposite of confusion according to the Bible? It's peace. And we're going to look at that a bit later. But imagine the sea and you can see the way that the currents are, are rushing against each other uh, when there's a storm that comes in. And we saw some storms in Urk and we, we perhaps were able to see other storms if we'd gone to the coast in England and we could understand how, um, how, how Augustus Montague Top Lady needed to shelter because it was tipping down with rain as we drove up through the gorge and the wind is blowing. But we know the answer. We have the assurance in our lives that we don't have to live life with all the currents blowing away and swirling around us because we can actually see the sea when it's calm. Because when we look at God's word, we discover that uh, the way to live the Christian life is straightforward, it's not complicated. But all too often, we make it complicated. We make it difficult. It's ourselves and our foolishness that so often cause problems and difficulties. As you know, today, we mentioned it last week, but today we are beginning a series of five messages on the subject of uh, being joined, being grafted into the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this wonderful section of John 15 is all about. And I'm so excited as you read the scriptures. And as we've been traveling around and we've been able to see the beauty of God's creation, as we've experienced difficulties, some were a bit scary, as we went up a one in four gradient in the, uh, in the Lake District, and we see a bus coming down the hill towards us. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what are we going to do? 
Well, if you know anything about a, a manual car, you have to learn how to do a, a handbrake start, okay? And on a one in four gradient, that is a scary thing. Even the children went quiet for a moment. The atmosphere in the Sharabang was tense, but we managed to do it. The secret of living is fruit bearing. Have you ever considered that? If you're alive, you can't help but to produce fruit. If you're a, a Christian, if you're somebody who is joined into the vine, then you can't help but produce fruit. And this is the bellwether for us. How fruitful are we? If our lives are just devoid of fruit, if our lives are devoid of all the things which the Scriptures speak about, then we need to come back and ask ourselves the question, what's our relationship with Jesus like? No fruit? Are you joined to the vine? Little fruit? Is your relationship with Christ weak? Is it struggling? You see, this is the lesson that Jesus is teaching here. Our Lord Jesus is explaining very clearly in this passage of Scripture that it's all about relationship. It's all about our relationship with Him. It's not about our relationship with other people, although that's important. It's not about our relationship with the church, if you like, although that's important too. And I want to make an apology that uh, in the email that I'd sent out, I had uh, made a reference uh, to Reformed and to Mennonites. And at least one person was concerned that... Uh, I was not making it clear. And so I apologize for that. And I want to say that the emphasis by mentioning that was simply to try and help us to understand that it isn't our standing in the church that is important, but it is because our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will change our relationship with our church and the group that we're involved in. And so apologies if... Uh, if that, uh, I didn't word it correctly, and I accept full responsibility for that. But the lesson that we have before us is simple. It's not complicated. Everybody, if you want to, can understand this. The children in Sunday school can understand this. The younger people here this morning, you can understand this. Because what our Lord Jesus is saying is that if you're plugged into me, then you will have... A different life. Now, can anybody of our younger people here, can anybody tell me what do you think's in here? Any ideas? Okay. I, oh, Enli. You think it's a light bulb, all right? Does that sound like a light bulb? I think you're absolutely right because in this box we have a light bulb. Okay. So that's what you're expecting. Now, to be able to get this light bulb to work, Enli, what do we have to do? Turn it on. Has anyone got a switch nearby? Hold on a minute. Psst. Didn't work. So what, what do we have to do? Yes. Plug it in. Plug it into what? Power thingy. That sounds wonderful. Is that the technical term, a power thingy? Okay. Listen, what we need to do is to screw the bayonet fitting into, sorry, not bayonet, that's what we have in England, where you just go once and twist it and it stays. Here you have to, to thread it in. And, and, and it has to be connected to the power source. And friends, 
in our lives for us to shine as lights in this dark world, in this world where we need to be able to show the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, we might be the prettiest light bulb you could ever come across. But it just isn't going to be able to do the job unless we are wired and plugged into the electrical supply and then the electricity flows through the elements and light shines. So that's exactly the example that we have that's contained there. The lesson that our Lord Jesus is giving us is absolutely vital. And in fact, as you read John 15, you discover that there's essentially a testimony that Jesus is, is speaking and giving here. In the opening verses, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So he's talking about the relationship between himself and his father. And he goes on and he talks about the fact that this relationship that we see between Jesus and his father is the relationship that needs to be seen between us and the Lord Jesus. And so I just, I just ask you for a moment to ponder. What's your relationship with Jesus like this morning? How firmly rooted, grafted, joined to the vine, the Lord Jesus, are you truthfully? I don't want you to shout out any answers. When was the last time you actually took stock of your relationship? And then you considered fruitfulness and you look at your life and you say, oh, wow. <laughs> when did I last share the gospel with somebody? When did I last make a difference in somebody else's life? When did I last make a difference in the church? We're desperate for people to help with Sunday school and to help with trailblazers and to do a whole load of other things which are so important. And yet, it's not easy to find those who will come along and to take part. Jesus is talking about the relationship that we have to have with him. Verse 5, I read it, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Isn't that exciting? Notice, not you know the odd apple, but we're talking about bearing much fruit. And then there's this stunning statement that our Lord makes to us. And I think too many of us just ignore it. I do, from time to time, less so now than I used to. But our Lord Jesus looks us square in the face and he says, without me, you can do nothing. Now that's where the fruit bearing comes from. Without me, you can do nothing. Who am I? What am I? And why am I here? Now these are uh, questions which the world seems to be asking more and more and more about. Um, I mention it because it's important. The confusion that there is over transgender issues really stems from asking these questions. Some of the things that we see and hear being spoken to our children cause us to worry immensely. Now, I have uh, a couple of tools here, okay? 
And uh, already there's a spot of bother because I discussed in England, this is not called a wrench. This is called an adjustable spanner. So if I say adjustable spanner, this is what I mean. And it's just that you can undo a, a, a nut and bolt with it by adjusting it for the size of the nut and bolt. So why you'd call it a wrench is beyond me. It's an adjustable spanner. And this is a, a, a flathead screwdriver. So we've, we've got our uh, clarity there. Now, uh, Simon, um, you've got loads and loads of tools. Uh, Ari, your son, has loads and loads of tools. And you've got a little granddaughter who is also able to pick out tools, and she knows what she's going for. So if Ari uh, says to me, as he did yesterday, he sees Danica toddling off with a screwdriver. Now he's thinking to himself, where is she going and what is she up to? And he sees her opening the battery case of a toy to replace the batteries. And that little girl knows what a screwdriver is. Am I correct? Yes, absolutely. But you see, if I say to myself, this is a screwdriver, and I'd go to the uh, battery case of the toy, and I try to undo it, I'm going to become frustrated, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, and I'll end up using it as a hammer to smash the toy to get it open. I'm right, aren't I? Because the thing is, if you call a spanner a screwdriver and you use it as a screwdriver, frustration, problems, and difficulties will come up. And when it comes to our lives today as human beings, we need to have answers to certain questions. And these questions are, who am I? What am I? And why am I here? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 reads as this, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. Now do you begin to see where the confusion in our world is coming from. Because if we start to be deceitful and dishonest with who we are, then we will see failure and frustration. But this also is applicable in our lives as believers. We need to know who we are. We need to know what our relationship is. We need to know why we are here. We need to know what the purpose of our life is. And I tell you this, if you know what the purpose of your life is, it makes it so much easier to live your life and to live your life successfully in the right sense. It makes living your life so much more um, just wonderful. And you suddenly find that other people can relate to you. And they can come to you because they know who you are. They know what you stand for. They know what's important in your life. The person who does not know who and what they are experiences frustration and failure. And we see this in the world. Time and time again. And I fear greatly for the generation that we see growing up around us and the influence of confusion that Satan wants to bring into the lives of people. It's an identity crisis that threatens and even destroys people. And we see this time and time again. Now, this is where it gets mega exciting for us as believers. Okay, because you and I don't have an identity crisis. We don't have a problem with who we are. We don't have a problem with why we are here. 
because our identity is held in Jesus Christ. Our identity becomes His identity. Because the closer we walk with the Lord, we become more like Him. And He lives His life out in us. So we discover that our identity is held in Jesus Christ. None of you who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ have any fear whatsoever as to what your identity is. You are in Jesus. Jesus is in you. And why you're here is not a confusing issue either. We are here to do the work that Christ has ordained that we do. And that is to bear fruit. So do you see it? We're not confused that too many of us appear confused. We're not struggling to know what it is that God would have us to do, how to live our lives. And as I said at the beginning, it's not difficult. I love the simplicity of the Scriptures. It's only us who make it complicated. It's only us who cause problems. In Jesus, we know who we are. And why we're here. And I just say to you this morning that if you're struggling with your identity in Jesus, the answer is simple. Your relationship is not what it ought to be. You're not submissive to the Lord as you should be. You're not walking hand in hand with Him, reading His Word, and growing in maturity which comes through knowing Jesus. I know all about this. Years. Doing it my way. And then, wham! You can't carry on doing that. And you have to come to that point of saying, I need to be welded to Jesus. Let us read verse 5 again because we need to remember this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Anything you don't understand so far? He who abides in me and I in him, do you see how close this relationship is? Bears much fruit, for without me you can do Nothing. So we do have to go right back to the original issue, which causes so many people so many problems. Why do we have to talk about the gospel? Because we should do. I know there are some people here this morning who need to actually open their ears now. You've come week after week, month after month, year after year, some decade after decade to church, and you're none the wiser. 
How do we become a branch in the Lord Jesus Christ is the question. And it's a great question. And of course, there are many answers to that question. And I have fallen foul to some of these in my own life. And I know there are people here this morning that will fall foul of them too. So for example, works, works. I'm going to work my way into heaven. We hear it so often. We see it. We experience it in perhaps our own lives and in the lives of other people. And they'll often say, look what I do for God. And if you want to find out more about this, you have to come tonight. And uh, you're going to hear about uh, uh, Mary Davis, who I met in the hospital ward in the ER room in Rome. And I'll tell you about her, and she's a wonderful, wonderful example. And God brought her for her and I to have a conversation. But you've got to come tonight at 6.30 to hear about that one. Lots of people are saying, well, I'm a nice person, you know. <laughs> There's no way God had ever turned me away from heaven. I'm not like them. You should see the things they do. And so we get this idea that God's just going to like us. I've never stolen anything. I've never murdered anyone. Steady. <laughs> I was grafted into the vine when I was baptized as a baby or when I was baptized as an adult. As if being dipped or sprinkled with water would do anything to you. I've done confession of faith. The Baptist church I grew up in, uh, uh, we had um, confession of faith uh, classes. Um, somewhat different to some of the churches around here that, that have a very different emphasis uh, on it. And I look back, people around you will change. And one of the things that becomes abundantly obvious is that you'll want to declare what Christ has done for you. You won't be able to keep your mouth shut. Because when you're released from the burden of sin, all the pressures that it brings, you want to share that with the family that you live with who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior because you want to see them brought into the kingdom of heaven and to experience the same abundant love and life that you are now experiencing. You won't be able to help it. It might take time, perhaps, before you talk to some people, but the reality is there you will need to share the gospel because of what has taken place in your life. An utterly transformed life. When we do this, you have by faith a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that until you're saved, until you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm looking at Floridania because he keeps reminding me about all the funerals he's been to recently. Some of them are good, some of them he struggles with, and some you can hear a great testimony. And others, your heart cries out because the person who's passed away has passed into an oblivion of not knowing the Savior. And you cry because of that. We're once dead. And we're raised to new life. So we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. That's what God's word says. 
And when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the breath of Christ is breathed into us and our lungs are filled. And not only is the breath breathed into us, but his blood flows through our veins because we're now joined to him. And we can rejoice in that. Our identity changes. What happens when we come to faith in the Lord Jesus? It's exciting. And this is the incredible thing. The believer gets his life now from Jesus. He begins to become more like the Savior. But I have to warn you at this particular point because there's a warning that we need to give. And again, it's something which is so uh, confusing to people. You see, just being part of a church doesn't do it. Just being part of a religious group just doesn't do it. I was talking, I don't know if Tammy's here this morning, but uh, I was talking to Tammy and uh, she was saying that when she was in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they used to have to keep a card. And on the card, they had to mark down the people they had spoken to and tried to uh, preach to and to convert to Jehovah Witnessesism. I'm not sure if that's the right English word. Because it was all works-based. The more people you spoke to, the better your chances of getting to heaven were. Because there isn't an understanding of a Savior who died for me, who stood in my place, who went to the cross for me. But if you're good enough and you try hard enough, and that's why you see them coming and knocking on your door. Because there's a reason why they have to do that. The fact that you're a member of a church won't save you. Just imagine if you die and, and I, you know, a bit of license here, forgive me if it's offensive in any way, but you wake up and you find yourself before God in judgment, and you start looking inside your, your, your coat pocket, and where's my membership paper from the Baptist church gone? It was here somewhere. Look. Do you think that'll do it? No. We have to be a member of the body of Christ. And then the Lord Jesus Christ graciously speaks on our behalf. Satan's there. He's accusing us. As I've said to you so many times before, the only time that Satan tells the truth is when, we're, when he stands as our accuser because he doesn't have to make the story up. You know, we're naturals. And the Lord Jesus stands there and says, but I know this one. He's mine. And that's what makes the difference. <laughs> Now, when it uh, comes to fruit bearing, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely process. Um, first of all, there's a tree. Uh, some of these are not great, but you know where I'm going with them. And uh, a tree's great on its own, you know. But uh, suddenly spring begins to come and the tree changes. Uh, it might have some leaves on it and then suddenly you find there's blossom on the tree. And, and, and the blossom's a good sign because, and this is where farmers get a bit uneasy because if there's a frost, okay, and it can damage the blossom, but there it is, and then finally it yields the fruit. It's a beautiful process, and God provides the rain and the sun day by day in this process that takes place. But I need to remind you that fruit bearing 
is not an instant process. In terms of our spirituality, yes, there will be things that will happen, but we'll discover that believers need to abide in the vine. And this abiding changes us, perhaps gradually, some faster than others, but we discover that we begin to mature in the Lord Jesus Christ through our relationship with him. And then we discover, we discover that our lives become more fruitful. We discover that as we abide, as we remain connected to the vine, this abundant life that Jesus is talking about here is available to us. And it's drawn from his life. Verse 11, if you have your Bible, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, this is the Lord Jesus' joy, may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Because as the joy of the Lord manifests itself in our hearts and lives, then it cannot help but change us. And we're able to be joyful in difficult circumstances. The diagnosis for cancer has come through and for the believer somehow, miraculously, we are still able to have joy knowing that our lives are safe and secure in his hands. But what does all of this mean? One more, I think, sorry. And this is where it gets very interesting. Because there are different trees that produce different fruit. And God has intended for all those who are in Christ to be fruitful. But there are different things different fruit that we produce. And so this means that there's no unemployment in God's economy. You can't just sit there and leave it for everybody else. You're not able to do that. Because if you truly belong to God, then He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it is your responsibility to seek what it is that He would have you to do. Sometimes not always easy. Sometimes the church has to help you. But you have something that you need to do. What does it all mean? It means that we have to accept the glory and the responsibility of being one of his branches. We don't have the option of just sitting back and doing nothing. And yet, sadly, in churches today... So many people say, I'll leave it to so-and-so. saying that my mum used to come up with was, if you want a job done, ask a busy person. They might be so busy, but they're the ones that do it. And we have to understand that. <laughs> now, very quickly, we have to discuss what it is that the fruit is that we have, that we're to bear. Uh, the scriptures here don't give a specific details, perhaps, but as we look at the scriptures as a whole, we soon get a clear understanding of the different areas of this, uh, uh, this whole business of bearing fruit comes. Um, one of the fundamentals and the main ones, I guess, is one that we perhaps all would just relate to very, very quickly, and it's this, it's winning others for Christ. Okay. Because the fruit that we see in our lives is to 
preach the gospel, is to share the gospel, is to go out of our way to talk to others. Paul, uh, when he was uh, talking to the Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 13, he said this, I often planned to come to you, but I was hindered until now. He was a busy chap. That I might have some fruit among you. There's the word again. This is Paul speaking. And he's saying that I, Paul, might have some fruit among you. And this fruit comes from sharing the gospel and people being saved and people being converted. And when you go to Italy today, you, 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 you see all the... I mean, they've got more antiquities than the rest of the world put together, the Italians. It seems completely unfair. We, we uh, went to a, a Roman city called Ostia. And uh, I have to confess to you that I pinched a little brick from one of the buildings. I'm going to bring it in tonight and show it to you. I, you know, if you want to report me to the Italian authorities, I suppose. <laughs> but I, 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 I just saw it lying there and I thought, wow, this brick was made when Jesus was walking. And there it is. And so we'll look at that. But Paul makes that point. He says that I might have some fruit among you. Paul is explaining that the fruit in his life was sharing the gospel. And according to the scriptures, we are fruitful to the Lord when we share the gospel. When was the last time you went out of your way to share your testimony, to talk to somebody about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. If somebody saw your life and we asked them to write a report on you, would they tick the box Christian? Or just the same as anyone else? Would there be anything different about you that would make them think and stop? Evangelism is an imperative, and we're going to look at them very, very quickly. There's some, some very interesting verses in Scripture. But this is the thing that I just can't get my head around. What's gone wrong? We live in a town which has got an above-average number of churches. We live in a county which has an above-average number of churches with high attendance of people. But the guy next door to us hasn't got a clue that we're here. What's got, well, he knows about us, because I keep talking to him about it. And he sees our signs up. You see, the gospel is not something that we're meant to hide. If you've experienced the transformation of a new life in Christ, then you can't hide it. But you could create a doctrinal system that stops you sharing the gospel with somebody. You thought about that? So if you change the emphasis of Scripture so that you are not fruitful, then you've taken the very motivation out of the Christian life. For sharing the gospel and you have an anemic witness at best churches that hide away they don't want to put a sign outside I think uh, David knows something about the exclusive brethren church and uh, I had family in the exclusive 
Bertha in their churches didn't even have windows. There was no sign outside the front in case someone tried to come. Why did Jesus Christ come into the world? What did he come to do? To save sinners. What was the ministry of our Lord Jesus on earth? Luke 4, 18 and 19, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, his Father, to heal the brokenhearted, our Lord Jesus said. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight for the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus came to preach. Why did Jesus come into the world? Because he loved the world. God sent his Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you understand what that means? That your belief and your trust in him, in Jesus, enables you to have everlasting life. Not just everlasting life like you've got now, but a life that is unbelievable, indescribable. To be continuously bringing praises to God. God has chosen us and commissioned us with the task of taking the gospel to the world. We're not to hide our lamp under a basket. Philippians 2.15, you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. I didn't know you were a Christian. Now that's not going to look good on your CV. Uh, sorry, not CV. What do you call it here? Resume. Is that what you call it? CV. Curriculum vitae. <laughs> okay. I think it's Latin. <laughs> Churches are not meant to play some sort of game where we read the Word of God and then ignore and not do what it says. There are many pictures in the Bible of the ministry of witnessing and leading others to Christ. We start off in the Old Testament, Proverbs 11.30, He who wins souls is wise. Notice the word wins there. This frightens some people. Wins. I know there's some guys here, who, and girls as well, I think, who like going out hunting. Am I right? Okay, what does a hunter do? Stalks their prey. They keep going. And sometimes we have to track down a lost soul in order to take them, to take him, to take her for Christ. We've got to be hunters. There are people that God lays their name on our heart and we can't... Well, I, you know, I, I told them last Thursday. What about next Thursday? Jesus, our Lord, compared evangelism to fishing. Now, I struggle with fishing, and some of you know that. I haven't got the patience for it. It's just not me. And yet there are others who will patiently wait. They've set all their fishing tackle up to catch a certain fish, and they're going to get that fish. 
Paul compared evangelism to being an ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5.20. Jesus said the soul winner was a harvester, and we, we see, you know, we live in an agricultural area, and you know when the fields are ready for harvest. And then the machine goes out, brings the harvest in. Here's a strange one, Zechariah 3.2. This verse pictures a soul winner as a fireman snatching a burning brand out of the fire. That's what we have to do sometimes. Snatch someone away from the danger that they're walking into. Very quickly, practical holiness, Romans 6.22, but now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, wait for it, and you probably weren't expecting it here, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end, everlasting life. It's an incredible verse, yet again. Our fruitfulness is living a life joined to Christ is that we begin to live holy lives. Because it changes us. The things we used to do, we don't want to do anymore. The places we used to go, we don't want to do them anymore. Because everything has changed. In our heart and in our mind. And we know that our lives begin to show the love of Lord Jesus Christ very clearly. The third one, the sharing of what we possess. Now some people will be squirming at this particular point because they've amassed their wealth and the thought of sharing it with someone else doesn't sit well. Somebody once told me that, you know, we don't have to give money to those that are struggling because it's their own fault. They got themselves in that situation. And they probably did. But that doesn't mean that we don't come alongside and we help. And we're seeing a change in our society and our country. We're seeing that some people are priced out of living because they just can't make enough. And the social security net in Canada is weak in comparison to many other countries. If someone's involved and got themselves struggling with drugs, do we turn our back on them? No. Because we're the ones that can make the difference. We're the ones that are the light in the world. And we will show and demonstrate fruit by what we do and how we care. Sharing what we possess. I tell you this, that, that, that there, is, there is no place for greedy Christians selfish Christians by definition 
That can't be. So my brother and I uh, were out with my parents, and um, uh, we were uh, gone to a place called Henley-on-Thames. And if you know anything about Henley-on-Thames in England, it's a really pretty place. The River Thames flows through, and uh, there's the Henley Regatta that takes place, and all the posh people come with their straw boater hats on and blazers, and it's very English, and you get strawberry and cream, and it's lovely. And there was a, a couple that um, mum and dad had had some involvement with, and they were there, and it was sat in the car, and suddenly the lady gets out, and she walks over to the ice cream van and buys an ice cream, comes back and sits in the car and eats it. Now, when you're 11, 12 years old, and somebody does that, it's hard. Her husband found it hard as well. Because she never offered him anything. And my parents are sat there thinking, this is unusual. She had a problem with greed. Selfishness. She didn't think about others and the needs that they have. We know that Christian character is fruit, don't we? Uh, we, we all know uh, Galatians 5 and that wonderful chapter that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does that sum you up? I struggle. But that's what God's Word says. The fruit of the Spirit if the Spirit is at work in you, then that's the fruit that we need to see. And the last one that we have here, there are others in the Scriptures, but praising and thanking God, Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of God to praise. Wait for it, here it comes. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. There's this word again, fruitfulness, all the way through the Scriptures. It keeps on bombarding it, and we so often do all we can to ignore it, but there it is. Would you describe the words that come out of your lips as being fruit that would be worthy and honoring to God? Would you? Well, most of the time, at the odd lapse, In the Old Testament, the worshipper brought the fruit of the field for a sacrifice of God, but the New Testament worshipper, this is you and I, brings the fruit of our lips. By our words, we praise God and glorify God. Praising God and witnessing to others becomes natural for us. Is it natural for you? The words that come out of your mouth, is it forced or is it natural? Because this comes from a heart that has been changed. From a heart that wants to bring praise and worship to God.
By this is my Father glorified, that you bear fruit, much fruit, and much more fruit. Do you see? Which one are you? You've got one measly apple. That's your offering. Or are you going to bring as much fruit as God through the Lord Jesus Christ enables you to bring? How is this increase possible? Well, two basic reasons. Very quickly, as you and I are branches and continue in the vine of the Lord Jesus, we establish a deeper relationship with him. And, and, and this is so fundamental. You've got to go deep here. This relationship is not superficial. And the second one, and this explains so much, the fruit that we bear is the seed. It has seed in it. Because as people are brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they too are able to be fruitful. I finish by um, reminding you of, uh, of an account that D.L. Moody, you may have, have heard of D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist and he went all over the world pre preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he was walking along a street. He'd been uh, conducting a series of, of evangelistic messages. And uh, he sees a man staggering towards him, obviously all over the place, one side of the pavement to the other, under the influence of alcohol. Couldn't hold a straight line. And he comes up to Mr. Moody and he says, Mr. Moody, he says, Mr. Moody, I'm one of your converts. And Mr. Moody looks at him and says, you certainly must be, because you're certainly not one of the Lord Jesus Christ's. You see, we're not interested in results as in numbers. We're interested in fruit. The life that has been changed. And that is what is so exciting. If you want to know more about this particular subject, you need to come on Thursday to our Bible study. Uh, Ryan and uh, Sadie are leading it. And uh, we're looking forward to that because the message that uh, Zach uh, Poonen is bringing is a good one. And so I encourage you, please come along and share with us at that particular study. The secret of uh, living is fruit bearing. If you're living in Christ, you can't help but bear fruit. God created you and Christ purchased that you might invest your life in giving. If you refuse to bear fruit, you will miss the true meaning and the glory of the Christian life. If you yield to Christ and permit his life to create his fruit through you, then you will really live. Are you willing to be a branch? If so, tell the Lord. By faith, yield yourself to Christ for the purpose of bearing fruit. Let's pray. Graciously loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the in immensely simple message that we've spoken of this morning. We thank you for the very concise and this, the sheer clarity at which you spoke. And I pray that every single person here this morning is indeed abiding in the vine in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that every person here is able to demonstrate their relationship with Christ because of the fruit that they bear. 
And Lord, I just thank you again for your goodness to us. Bless us, we pray now. In Jesus.